Action Church, we doing well? Yeah. Doing good. Everybody here at Winter Park's doing well. How about back here in the back? We doing okay back there? You're like, don't, don't talk to me. I sat back here for a reason. That's okay. That's okay. Welcome to week two of a series we're calling Follow. And if you missed week one, I really think these build on each other. We're learning how to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me catch you up just a little bit. Let me go back to my, my table back here. Uh, if you weren't here last week, you need to go and watch it. And I'm sorry for ruining it, but I, I showed up and got on platform uh, in the most insecure way possible for five minutes. I've never felt like that in my whole life because for five minutes, I wore Crocs with no explanation. And people thought, hey, I knew, I knew he had a different fashion sense every once in a while. I went very safe today, like very corporate, like very like downtown, like look. And so I, I went a little bit, went really the opposite direction. The pendulum swung the entire other way because last week I showed up in Crocs. And, uh, and if you've never worn Crocs, you're lost because they're awesome. They're comfortable. They've got this strap. We talked about last week. These things can go in four-wheel drive in a hurry, and you can run in these. You could swim in these. You can dress them up with some socks, Crocs with socks. You can dress them down, put them in air-conditioned mode. There's all different ways in which you can wear your Crocs. But what we decided last week is Crocs are not suitable for every environment. They got some holes in them and they just don't quite fit. They're really a recreational shoe, and if you're wearing them any other way, that's fine, but you may need somebody to bring about some awareness in your life. They're a recreational shoe, and we decided last week that too many of us have settled for a recreational faith that we need a fully functional faith and the Crocs are not gonna get us to where we need to go. We need, some, we need some follow shoes. We need some foundational shoes. We need some shoes that we're following Jesus. We talked about the idea of surrendering some things so that we can pick up our cross and we can follow Jesus. In fact, in Matthew 14, or Matthew 16, it's been our, our theme verse, uh, uh, this series, it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, I don't know about you, but that's me, I'd love to follow Jesus. You must give up your own way. Talked about that a lot last week, surrendering. Take up your cross and follow me. Last week we talked about being a follower of Christ. The next three weeks we're gonna talk about three practical ways in which we can grow in our discipleship, in our, in our following more closely, more authentically, more intimately with Jesus. Today, uh, specifically, we're gonna talk about what it looks like to build our life on the truth, the, the word of God, that a follower of Jesus, to follow Jesus, we have to have the right perspective of the word of God. Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word. Everybody say word. word. Now everybody say word. word. There we go, now we're awake. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And you've heard this before, but it's a lamp unto my feet. It's not a spotlight for my whole future. And that's what we want as believers. We want to get saved. We want God to change everything. God, show me everything you're going to do in my whole life right now. And we're impatient and we don't want to, we don't want to follow. If God showed you everything, first off, you couldn't handle it. And second off, it wouldn't require faith to follow him. It would just require strategy and, and, and learning and knowledge. He, he, he wants our trust. Maybe more than anything else, he wants our surrender because he wants our, 
our trust. And he says it's a, it's a lamp. It's like a, a lantern. You know those, those, those old movies, you, got the, you, you light a lantern like with fire and you could just barely see. Like that's what the, the word of God is. It's just, a, it's just a next step because it requires faith to take every step. I can't see three or four steps in front of me. I can only see a couple of steps in front of me. It lights my path. It gives me clear direction and clarity on my next step. But the future is vague enough and dark enough that I have to trust Jesus in which I'm following. It just lights the next step. And so my question with, with the word of God and the principles of our life is are we settling for a recreational faith or a foundational faith? Because a recreational faith is led by our emotions. Crocs feel good. I love them. I'm gonna put them on right after the third service today. Like I'm gonna be in some Crocs this afternoon. Are we led by our emotions or are we led by the truth? And the word is a, is a lamp unto our feet and sometimes our path is dark because we've put the lantern down. We wonder why we're lost in the darkness is because we no longer have the, the word of God. Your word is a lantern, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And if we're led by our emotions and our feelings, it makes us kind of stupid. You know what I mean? Like we just make some dumb decisions we're led by our feelings. You and me living our life not based on the word of God, living a, a croc style faith, the recreational faith, we're like the main characters in a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like in the moment they think, this is a good idea. The front door's open, I can run out to the public. No, let me hide in this closet. And then the music starts playing and they're like, I think this is a good idea. And then all of a sudden what? They're dead. Come on, you see that Geico commercial? Like, go, let's run to the perfectly good running car full of gas. Let's get off of this farm. And they're like, no, why would we do that? Let's go hide in the dark shed behind the chainsaws. <laughs> That's what you look like. Oh, my. Oh, my. Everybody around you is like, no, you're, you're hiding behind chainsaws. <laughs> you big dummy. Because we're not living on the truth, we're living on our feelings and our feelings feel good and they make sense to us. You know you tell the best lies to yourself. <laughs> Book of Jeremiah, we talked about the heart above all else is, heart above all else is deceitful. The, the best lies we tell to ourselves when we live by our feelings, we're, we're hiding behind chainsaws and the enemy's right there like, yeah, you're making it way too easy. Wow. We need to have the truth and the the foundation of the word of God to, to build our, our life. And here's what James chapter one, we're gonna be in James one today, 19 through 25. Let's read the first three verses to start uh, and then we'll get to the 22 through 25 at the end of our time together. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. See, the book of James is written to Christians and, and I know uh, in our auditorium today, there are those of you who have not yet given your life to Jesus, but we're, we're doing this series because in just the last four weeks, we've seen about 700 people give their life to Jesus. And so, so really there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of us, a lot of you that are just starting your journey or, or restarting your journey. And so I really thought it'd be important to, to go through kind of these foundational things and get rid of some recreational things we've settled for and, and put some foundational things. So he says, my dear brothers and sisters, because James is writing to the church, he's writing to Christians with this book of the Bible. He says, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Here it is. And humbly accept the word God, the word God has planted in your hearts. For the word that God has planted in your hearts, it has the power 
to save your souls. Let's start at the beginning. So let's, let's see, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Yeah, but pastor, what about when they, now what about when I disagree with their, their politics or their view of the pandemic Now, why, why can't I be, where did we get lost? Like, I just, what we, what we, what we hear, what you hear, what I hear, all of us, when, when we read that, we hear, let's be quick to judge, quicker to argue, and quickest to become angry. I don't know if that's a word, but preach is good. Because we're like, no, you. And now, what about, See, we've, we've lost our sense of empathy and we've traded in for an argument. And all across every area, we're like, we, we no longer can care about how people feel, we just wanna be right. And you can be right and wrong at the same time. You can be right with your principle and wrong with your posture and lose people forever. You should write that down. That was, that was new. That was Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for that. Not even in the notes. That one's free. That was new to me, too. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to go ahead and take a note. Thank you, Jesus. Let's keep reading. It says planting. So get rid of all the filth in your life. Humbly accept the word God has planted in your heart. See, too many of us are planting seeds that will never produce the things that we want. And he's saying, no, you can't plant these seeds of anger and and arguments and, and your, own, your own filth and sin and, and feelings. Basically, you can't, you can't plant apple seeds and expect oranges. Like, I don't know, one of, your, one of my favorite fruits is, is, is pineapple or watermelon on a summer day. You know, like, I love pineapple and watermelon. I cannot plant olives, which I hate. I really think that that's one of the grossest things you can ever put in your mouth. And if you like olives, I'm not sure we can be friends. Like, it's just, it just you, know, you know, it's just that look, oh God. I felt it right there just thinking about it. Like I can't plant olives and expect to get my favorite thing, which is pineapple. But too many of us plant seeds of anger and deceit and feelings and, and sin and we, we plant these things and we expect God's righteousness and his favor and his blessings and we're not planting the things based on truth or based on, on feelings. It says, but if you plant the word of God in your heart, it has the power to save your souls. So we gotta plant the truth and the truth only comes from the word of God. So here's the first thing I want us to write down. I got five things that the truth will produce in our life if we plant it. The truth read, write this down, the truth read produces conviction. The truth read produces conviction. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, all scripture, everybody say all. all. Not just what we agree with, not just what's fun, not just what's easy. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I don't know about you, maybe you're different. I never like being wrong, anybody else? Everybody else just like when you're proved wrong, you're like, oh man, that felt so good, thank you. Just never happened. I love being right, I love winning an argument, but it says the word of God is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That, that means there are some things that are wrong that the word of God is gonna expose because it is a lamp, it is a light, we gotta go a different direction. Here's the next line, it doesn't get better. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And here's the deal, here's what I found. Correction will always bring about a choice. To change 
or to conceal. The word of God exposes and we say, I'm gonna change or I'm gonna hide. What's the first response of Adam and Eve in the garden? When they sinned and their sin was exposed, the truth walked into the garden, the truth being the presence of God walked in, they, they hid and they knew correction was coming and we have a chance to change, to, to let our conviction lead to repentance or we have a chance or a choice to conceal. And conviction, the enemy has, has made conviction a bad term. It's made it like we're gonna, we're gonna be in, in, in prison or we're gonna have to change all the things. Conviction is simply showing us, you gotta catch this, that conviction is simply showing us there's a better way. It's not wrong to, to punish. It's not discipline to, to make you feel bad, shame or guilt. That's from the enemy. Conviction leads to repentance. It simply shows us, hey, there's a better way. And the word of God read convicts us. When we read the word of God, it's a lamp, it's a light. It, it allows us to change. The word of God shows us there's a better way. There's a better way to parent. There's a better way to love. There's a better way to handle conflict. There's a better way to operate with integrity and wisdom and knowledge. There's a better way. And so I wanna give you a practical step this week because the word of God can be overwhelming. You're like, where do I start? Well, we're starting a seven-day devotional today. And our team, our discipleship team, has worked very hard and will be on all of our social media channels and, and via email. And we'll, we'll have it all out to you uh, this week. Every single day, follow us, Facebook, Instagram. We're gonna have a seven-day devotional as a church this afternoon uh, all the way through next Saturday. And we will help you learn how to read the Bible, to give you some verses to read and give you some context to it, just helping you get started because the truth read will bring conviction. The truth read will show you there's, there's a better way. And we get this all the time, and I say this probably every year of the church because I think it's that important. We, people get so obsessed. Pastor, which Bible translation should I read? Whichever one you're gonna read. What's the best one? Whichever one you open and you start. Like we'll get to uh, how to study it in just a moment, but just as far as reading the word of God, there, there's not a translation that is, that is bad for you if you're reading it as opposed to not reading anything, trying to figure out which one to read. So many people just sit on the sidelines, well, which one should I read? Just read one of them. Just pick one up. Go steal one from the bookstore. You know what I mean? I think God's okay with that. You know what I mean? Like if you don't have the money, like I really think there's worse things to steal than a Bible. I'll bail you out of jail and pay your fine. Like go take one. Don't steal one from the bookstore. We give them away for free here at Action Church. Like you can really get one for free. But if you find yourself online without a church, go steal the word of God. It will help you. Good. And then you read it. You have to pay it back. It's fine. You're not convicted. I got it. Just, you get it. Just, just find one and read one. We get so obsessed with weird arguments and just, just find a translation, just find one and read it. The truth read produces conviction. Number two, the truth prayed produces peace. The truth prayed, we, we need to pray the word of God. Joshua 1, verses seven through nine. Be strong and very courageous. Joshua's about to lead the people of God in the battle. His mentor, Moses, had just died and he's overwhelmed and the spirit of God is speaking to him as he gets ready to take his mantle, to take his, his ministry, to take his leadership. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law, keep this word of God always on your lips, meditating on it day and night so, there may be, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? 
Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. The truth prayed produces peace. I think this is a powerful tool when we're going through tough seasons. Because if we're not careful, even the feelings that we pray out loud will begin to believe. And if you can find a verse, find a promise and begin to declare the truth, pray the truth over your situation, pray the truth over your pain or or your struggle. You begin to pray the word of God out loud. It reminds us, wrote down a couple of things like pain is a feeling that needs to be met with truth. Like in my pain, in my sorrow, in my, in my grief. Yeah, I need to cry out and I need to ask and we need to be honest to God. But at some point in that prayer, the truth prayed produces peace. Philippians 4, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and God will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. Like sometimes we need to remind our spirit and our feelings who our God is, that I may be feeling forsaken, but my God is faithful, that I may be feeling lost, but my my God is a savior. My God is the one who leaves the 99 for the one. Like we need to remind ourselves because our feelings lie to us. Our feelings have holes that we need to plug in some of those holes with, with the word of God. Fear and anxiety is a feeling that needs to be met with truth. When that fear comes in, for God did not give me a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. Like, I, I, gotta, I gotta meet this feeling yes. of fear and anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything. I gotta meet these things yes. with the truth, not with self-help, not with a good idea, not with how I feel, but with what God says. Yeah. And stress, come on, in this day and age with all that we have going on in a pandemic or post-pandemic world and political unrest and racial tension, stress, is in our life, stress is a feeling needs to be met with the truth. The truth prayed produces peace. If you need some peace in your life, why don't you dig into the word of God in this seven-day devotional, read it, find yourself a truth, a promise in the context of your situation and begin to pray it over your life, who God is, what he says he can do. The truth prayed produces peace. Here's the, here's the third one, and this may be different for some of you. The truth praised or the truth sang produces perspective. Like when we sing, that's what praise and worship is. Do you know that that worship is is defined as worth-ship? It's like placing the proper value on the presence of God. And and I did this third because I wanted to talk about the truth being read first. I didn't want to be confusing, but honestly, this this one should should have been first. Praising God should be the first thing you do every time you spend time with him. It's why we do it first in church. It's why we start with songs. It's not just because we like band or loud music. It's because we enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Because praise breaks things down. I want to teach you something real quick between praise and worship. Not only do we sing first, but if you notice, we break out the first couple of songs and we praise God and then we worship him because praise breaks things off. Praise gives us a perspective. Praise says, hey, my God is bigger. It it, it, it gives us a a lighter feeling because we're exchanging the burdens that we brought into this place or this burdens that we've woken up with or these burdens that we've carried throughout the day and we enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise because it reminds us of how great our God is. 
And then there's a weight in worship because we realize how intimate and how close and how, how authentic our relationship can be. Praise and worship simply gives us a new perspective and it reminds our souls. Our spirits know this to be true, but our souls, our, our mind, our will, and our emotions, they, they get a little tired, they get a little anxious, they get a little overwhelmed. And praise and worship, the, the, the truth saying produces perspective because when we worship and we praise, we change the perspective of our situation. What I mean by that is we walk into our quiet time, our devotion, we walk into an action church service every Sunday and we feel overwhelmed. We see the size of our problems. But what worship does is it reminds us that our God is way bigger than our problems. There's an exchange that happens in the presence of God that gives a perspective that we remind our problem how big our God is instead of our problem overwhelming us. Our problem is in the way and praise breaks down that barrier and lets us enter into the presence of God. I read this in a book called The Circle Maker, I believe a long time ago. It was a book by Mark Batterson. I couldn't find it this week, but it says, don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Because worship is not about your feelings. Pastor, I didn't feel worship this morning. Didn't really like the songs. I didn't know we were singing to you. I didn't, I didn't know we had a, an idol worshiping service like you and Nebuchadnezzar for Easter. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know, I didn't know that this was something like I didn't, I didn't really feel it. Didn't feel what? Like the presence of the living God that raised Jesus from the dead and lives in you? Like I'm just confused at where you missed like where this thing was about you or, or me. And don't let what's wrong with my, my marriage or my kids or my business, like all of that is ancillary and secondary. I'm in the presence of the living God and I'm telling you, if you will enter his courts with that, courts with thanksgiving and praise, like things, things begin to break off and perspective begins to shift and it just, it just changes things. We feel like we have to be in a good place to enter the presence of God. No, come into the presence of God in any place and I promise you, if you'll genuinely seek him, things will begin to break off of you and be released and your, your perspective will change. The idol thing may have been a little strong, Pastor Eddie. I may, I may, I may, I may keep that right where it is. I'm just kidding. I'm not changing that. The truth saying produces perspective. Everybody say perspective. perspective. Yeah, perspective. The truth studied. Here's the fourth one. The truth studied produces wisdom. We got to make sure we get to this one because too often in a, a Western church, an American church, we settle for the first three. It makes sense. Read my Bible, pray a little bit, praise a little bit, but but I never really get wisdom because I never really study the Word of God. Wow. Hebrews 12, for the Word of God is alive and powerful. Yes. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Yes. Cut. I've never seen this before this week. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You know, you are a triune being. You are flesh, you are soul, and you are spirit. Your spirit being your mind, will, and emotions. And I've never seen this before, but the Word of God, if we study it, if we study it, we'll cut between how we feel and what the truth is. We're made in God's image as spirit beings. So our spirit is what is likeness to God. It's, it's, it's our spirit and God leads us by his spirit and connects with our spirit. But our soul gets in the way because we feel and we see and our flesh is sinful. And he's saying, I'm coming in and I'm cutting between what the world says and what the truth is. 
Like the word of God is alive and powerful. If you'll let it, it will divide you in the proper way. And getting cut by a sword, guess what? That's painful. So he's not saying you're gonna be, thank you, Lord, for changing me. What he's saying is I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna divide the disease from the healthy. I'm gonna divide the feelings from the truth. I'm gonna come into the innermost part and I'm gonna expose those things so that I can surgically remove them for your benefit. The truth studied produces wisdom. Bible reading is needed, but so is Bible study. Now, I've never taught this before, but I do wanna teach it here. The translation is not important for the Bible that you're reading for your devotions, but the translation is really important for the Bible that you're studying. What I mean by that is you need to make sure, I'm not gonna get up here and sell you on a translation, you need to make sure that it is a literal translation from the original language. I'll give you an example. The Passion Translation, the Message Paraphrase, both great. We, we, will, we will teach from those, we will share from those, but those are paraphrases. They are not word-for-word studies or translations from the original language. They are not meant to be doing a word study on a paraphrase. You need to go and translate the original language. And in fact, if you're studying and there's something that is confusing, you need to go and look at the original Hebrew or the original Greek. What was the intent? Because English is a very poor language translating a very complex language in Hebrew and especially Greek. There could be five, six, seven words in Greek for one word in English. And so if we just study it in English, we could actually miss the context of what the Spirit of God is saying. And some great resources for that are blueletterbible.com, it's free, and biblegateway.com. You can go and look at a word study. So when you're studying the Bible, make sure it's a translation, not a paraphrase. And if you ever think that's, that's different, I don't, that doesn't really, fit with what I thought it was saying. Maybe it doesn't fit because it doesn't fit because English has a poor word in that translation you're reading. Go back and find that original Hebrew, that original Greek, and if you have any questions, ask somebody way smarter than me. <laughs> Blue Letter Bible, Bible Gateway. I wrote this down, the truth studied, because we gotta study, we gotta let it get in, we gotta, we gotta dig for it. Familiar, being familiar with God's word isn't necessarily the recipe for functional faith. What I mean by that is that you can't just be familiar with it if you want it to really be life-changing. I'm not saying this to like be like legalistic, but it's not like I think the Bible says, like when we're praying it and we're singing, like, like you know what I mean? Like I can't be like roundabout, yeah, kinda close. Like no, like what is the truth? So many of us in our faith, like, you know what I heard? How many of you had a theological debate with somebody or talking about God or the Trinity or the end? You're just talking about, you're like, you know what I heard? From who? <laughs> like, we had this thing. Unless you're doing on audio, like, what are you, who, are you, who are you prioritizing what you're hearing over what God is saying? And I wanna even bring it to this context. God's word is always greater than what Pastor Justin says. Amen. Well, Pastor Justin says, I don't, don't, do not do that to me. Uh-uh. I do not speak for God. In fact, anybody that tells me what God is saying, I am very, very, very reserved to believe them. Now, I believe in the power of words of knowledge and prophecy, but guess what I'm gonna do? Somebody gives me a word, I'll be like, where's that? Oh, nope. If it's in there, I'll pray about it. If it's not, thank you. I'm gonna avoid you next time I see you. <laughs> but we do. We prioritize the pastor's clips on Instagram or Facebook. Oh. I heard, oh. he says, oh. she says, if it's not in here, it's not true. Oh. 
There's a lot of good ideas and good principles that aren't, aren't God principles. And I'm not arrogant enough to think that in my seven years or 17 years or 27 years or 37 years that I'm not gonna make some mistakes. That's why we have the, the Word of God. And we, we use it to check and to see, hey, that doesn't quite line up with what I thought. Well, guess what? Let's go and find out. And I wanna give you permission to disagree. In fact, every time I read a, a new book, I, I tell my team, I, I only agree with about 90% of it because 10% really is kind of up for debate. The Word of God is so simple and so useful, but it's also complex. And a supernatural being is trying to communicate with, with us with limitations, and there's gonna be some room for, for some interpretation, and we're okay with that. You can't get sideways on the non-negotiables. There's a lot of things we can have conversations about. Let me say it this way, like when I say God's word is greater than what Pastor Justin or any pastor says, what I mean by it is God's word is the main course. Like it's the entire meal. And my job or pastor's jobs or small group leaders' jobs is just to be the waiter to deliver the main course. Do you need a little cracked pepper? Come on, that's it, that's it. A little seat, like I, I think my, if I could say it this way, my job is just to season it a little bit so you wanna eat it. I'm not adding to it. I'm not taking from it. I didn't cook it. I didn't prepare it. I'm just a little cracked pepper and some salt. Need some hot sauce. Maybe a little water. It's a little hot in here right now. You're like, I'm convicted. Just got corrected. A little water to wash that, that truth down. The truth studied, it brings about wisdom. And here's the last one. And if you don't get the last one, the first four are really null and void. Like it, it really doesn't matter if we don't do this last one. The first four can stop and be really insignificant to the way in which we follow Jesus, the fruit that we produce if we don't get this last one. The last one is this, the truth applied produces life. Gotta apply it. James 1, 22 to 25, let's finish this passage. Don't just listen to God's word, but wait, Pastor Justin, you said read it. Yeah. Come to church, listen to sermons, but don't just listen, that's a good step. It's in the sermon, it made the first point. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Got a crop style faith, feels good. Came to church, read my Bible, sang a little bit, prayed a little bit. But if we don't look any different, just fooling ourselves. You're hiding behind the chainsaws. You think you're safe. I'm going to heaven because I, I raised my hand and prayed a prayer, not if your life doesn't look any different. And that's not a religion or legalism. I'm not saying that you earn your way to heaven. I'm saying that once you receive Jesus, you should begin to look different. For if you listen to the word of God and don't obey it, get this, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. You know why I think that is? because you're wearing so many masks, you forget which one you have on. I forgot where I was supposed to be and I'm confused and I'm living this life of feelings and sin. I don't know why I keep ending up here. It's because I don't know which mask I was supposed to put on for this situation because I have allowed the Word of God to get inside of me and produce the things that He wants to see in my life. But if you look carefully, into the, the perfect law. It sets you free. It doesn't hold you bondage, it doesn't hold you captive. It's not constricting, restricting, 
Conviction is a better way than if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard. Then God will bless you for doing it. The truth applied produces life. I did this illustration three, four years ago. I'm sorry, I only have so much creativity, I have to do it again. It's one of my favorite ones I've ever done. Got a little sun bum here. Little uh, broad spectrum, UVA, UVB protection. Water resistant, 80 minutes. Gluten-free and vegan, for those of you who are into that. I wasn't planning on eating it. <laughs> um, this is what we call premium moisturizing sunscreen spray. I was talking to Pastor Kenneth today, and for my non-pigmently challenged friends, my people of color, you don't really know what this is, so he was saying, no, no, that's not gonna work. So here's what it would look like. You go to the beach, let me, let me break it in two different, for my white friends and my black friends. Basically, some of you are like, I don't know what that means. My white friends and my black friends. <laughs> How many of you know this is, this is good stuff? This will keep you safe from a sunburn, from peeling, maybe from skin cancer. We're at New Smyrna Beach on a Saturday. What if I just left that thing on the table right, right, right by where we're sitting? Like it has everything I need. This is good sunscreen, it's full. Purchased, ready to go. If I never spray this on my skin, it doesn't work. If I never apply it, it doesn't protect. The Word of God you know does not protect you. It says the demons in hell know the Word of God. And they tremble at the name of Jesus. It's not the Word of God you know that changes your life. It's the Word of God that you apply. For Pastor Kenneth, when I go to the beach with Pastor Kenneth, he brings a big old tent, a tent and some music, and he never gets out from under that tent. If Pastor Kenneth left that tent in the car, that tent's not gonna protect him from the sun. And too many of you leave your Bible and your Christianity in a pew or in a row on a Sunday or on a shelf in your life and you're, I know it and I say it and I sing it, but I never apply it to my business. I never apply it to my relationships. I never apply it to my character. It doesn't work. Let me say it this way. The Word of God by itself does not change your life. That's not my opinion. That is... The Bible says it's the Word of God in which you hear and you speak and you pray and you praise and you apply to every situation. I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I, I stay at the beach a little longer than 80 minutes. And what you have to do with your kids as they're younger and if you're like me and you're prone to getting sunburned, there are oftentimes which I'm in the sun, the heat, so long that one application is not good enough. I say, hey, Kings, hey, hey, Bentley, come here. Daddy, we gotta, we gotta reapply the sunscreen. Like that one application a few hours ago, that one application when you were eight years old, that one time when you got baptized, that one Sunday where you made a difference, that one time you heard a word of God and it changed your life, there's a time where it will run out and you're gonna have to get the sunscreen out, get the word of God out, and you're gonna have to reapply. Like you're gonna have to keep spraying and keep rubbing. Like the, when the enemy turns up the heat, you need more sunscreen on the hot days. When it's scorching and you don't know what to do, let's go back to the beginning. 
Reapply. Reapply that God is faithful. Reapply that God is good. Reapply that He will reapply that God will exchange your worry for peace. Re, re, begin to reapply. That's why this devotion is so important, church. This foundational faith, this following faith, is not a once a week or twice a month Sunday type of faith. It's a reapply type of faith. God, I need you today, this morning, this afternoon, in this business meeting, in this conversation. And I'm not going to go in with my feelings. I'm going to go in applying, not just knowing, but applying the Word of God. Let's bow our heads at every location, every head bowed, every eye closed as we wrap up this morning. God, we love you. God, we thank you for your Word. God, we thank you that your Word read will produce conviction. Your Word prayed will produce peace. Your Word sang will produce perspective. Your Word studied will produce wisdom. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that if we apply the Word, it can bring life. Action Church, we never gather on a Sunday without giving people an opportunity to accept Jesus. I talked a lot to, to followers of Jesus today, but, but I know when the Word of God is spoken and the presence of God is in a room, there's an opportunity for people to meet Jesus or recommit their life to Him. And I wanna give you that opportunity today. We talked about this truth, we talked about this Word, we talked about this life. And really today is the, the first application. Going back to Matthew's gospel, today is the day where you give up your own way. You pick up God's purpose and you, you follow him. Let's be clear what you're doing. You are accepting Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, Jesus, the perfect Son of God, who lived a perfect life. And it's important because an unholy people could not be reconciled to a holy God. So it had to be a substitute. There had to be a sacrifice. His name is Jesus. He lived a perfect life for you so he could die a sinner's death as you. There was an exchange that took place there where he took all of our mistakes and we got his righteousness. His death on the cross, his sacrifice gives you and me access to salvation, forgiveness, mercy, and grace. His resurrection gives us access to victory and power. The book of Romans chapter 10 says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, and believe that the power of the living God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. I wanna give you that opportunity right now to confess Jesus as your Lord. What does that mean, Pastor? It means you're surrendering. You're giving up your own way and you're following Jesus. For some of you, it's for the first time ever. For others of you, it's for the first time in a long time. You walked an aisle, you prayed a prayer, you raised your hand, but if you're honest, you, you never gave Jesus control. You never allowed the Word of God to divide your own way from His way. And Today is a day of recommitment. If that's you here at Winter Park, Sanford, South Orlando, Oviedo, even worshiping online, you say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I, I wanna start a relationship. I'm starting to follow Jesus today. I'm applying this word and I'm surrendering my life to him for the first time, for the first time in a long time. Would you raise your hand right where you are so I know who I'm praying with today? I, I'm accepting Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep. A few hands here, yep, got you back there. Proud of you. Yep, right in the middle, yep, yep. Come on, Sanford and Oviedo, South Orlando. Come on right where you are in your home, worshiping with your friends or family. Just raise your hand. Confessing Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. You can put your hands down. Would you pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud? Say this, say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you 
for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I am confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord and I'm giving you that place today, complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And God, I pray for all of us. I pray in this week two of, of follow that we would pick up your word today. And let us as a church go all in to this seven-day devotional. We want 100% participation. We're just gonna, we're gonna allow the word of God to change us this week. We're gonna read it. We're gonna pray it. We're gonna praise it. We're gonna study it. And then we're gonna apply it so that our life can be changed in Jesus' name. We love you. We praise you in this place. Everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate the decisions? Come on, really celebrate it. We're so proud of you.